Welcome to Pediatric Meltdown, the podcast about children's mental health and emotional well-being. I'm Dr. Leah Gugino, a primary care pediatrician, and I created this podcast for the pediatric medical community and anyone who cares about children's behavioral health. Pediatric Meltdown offers thoughtful conversations featuring experts from the field. Learn practical strategies from the best and become a savvier clinician. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Pediatric Meltdown, and I hope this episode finds you enjoying summer. For me, that means sitting on my back porch, looking at beautiful flowers, going to the beach, or just taking a walk and really enjoying the world around me. That brings me to today's topic, which is on prescribing nature. My guest is Dr. Stacy Beller-Stryer, who is a board-certified pediatrician and associate medical director for Nature Prescribed, formerly known as Park Rx America. She educates healthcare providers, wellness programs, schools, and park agencies on the benefits of nature and how to write nature prescriptions to improve the health of individuals and our planet. She works with the core team and organizations to strategize ways to move this mission forward, placing special emphasis on the marginalized and those who live in urban settings. Dr. Beller-Stryer is a frequent speaker at conferences and other media outlets and has published on this topic. She previously served as the Health Promotion and Disease Prevention Coordinator within the the Indian Health Service and a pediatric subject expert for an online health website, Revolution Health. She also worked with her local school system to increase awareness and promote outdoor classrooms and green schoolyards. She wants others to benefit from nature as much as she has through the years. Please sit back, maybe go sit outside in your yard, and take a listen to Dr. Stacy Beller-Stryer. Hi, Stacy. How are you? Hi, Leah. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Enjoying the summer. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And before we get started talking about our topic today, I thought I would just get a little bit of background on how you got into pediatrics and how you found this path to nature in pediatrics. Those are two long questions. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Take as much time as you need. Well, it's actually very funny because when I started medical school, I said to myself, I will do anything but pediatrics (laughs) because I just thought it would be too sad to see all the kids and to see sick kids. I'm sure a lot of pediatricians probably had the same thought because they love kids in heart. And then I did my pediatric rotation and I realized how fun it was. And even the sick kids had such great senses of humor and were just wonderful and fun to be around. And I fell in love with it. So that's how I got into pediatrics and have not regretted it since. And then getting into the nature part, that came much later in my career. And personally, I always loved being outside, loved being outdoors, and recognized for me how important it was for my mental health and my behavioral health to be outside. I did not think that it was important for everybody or necessary for everybody. And then about 12 years ago, I went to a con- an AAP conference where Richard Louvre was the keynote speaker. And for those who don't know, Richard Louvre is a journalist and an author, and he's really the father of this nature movement. He talked about his new book about children who don't get have access to nature or don't go into nature and what a deficit that is for them. And he coined a term childhood nature deficit disorder. 
So I really, really was impressed by his talk. And I realized at that time that nature is necessary for everybody, no matter what age, no matter who you are or where you live. And at that moment, I decided when I had more time in my life, I was going to try to get other people out into nature in order to benefit their health. And remind me, was the name of that book, No Child Left Inside? Yeah, it was called Last Child in the Woods. Okay. Yeah. And I somehow had that phrase from something coined about No Child Left Inside, which I thought was kind of catchy. So so being in nature is super important to you. And I think we all sort of think, well, yeah, of course, it's good for you. But why is it so important, especially for kids? It's really important for kids for many reasons. You could have a, a long list, but it's so important for children, not only if we talk about academically and social development, kids learn how to work together and they learn how to deal with their differences and compromise. And that's been shown over and over again in, in many studies in children in preschools and in early education, how being outside and having outside classrooms and kind of recess and more like a nature-oriented outdoor program that they do much better in terms of developing social skills. It helps them also mentally with anxiety and behavioral issues. It helps them with their anxiety and depression. So we talk about the behavioral aspects of it, and there are also all these physical aspects. Just by being outside more, kids run around more. So there are studies that show that the more time you spend outside, the more time you spend in moderate physical activity. And there are studies done again in preschools that show the more time you spend outside, the more healthy your weight is. So there are so many reasons for kids to be outside rather than inside on a tablet or on some electronic device. Again, I think it's sort of intuitively it makes sense, but you mentioned that there's some research So how does that, I mean, I sort of think, well, yeah, being outside, like, ah, oh, it just feels so good. And so, but how, I mean, what are the thoughts on how that impacts mental health, the social piece of it? That's really interesting. And and does this translate to adults too? I'm hoping so. (laughs) It does. And we all think, and I think this is a problem, we, we all think when we walk from the house to the car that we've spent time outside, we think, well, I spend time outside today. But really, the research shows that children spend about six to eight minutes outside in free play a day. So not going to the car, not being in in a soccer tournament, but just outside and letting their mind wander and enjoying nature, six to eight minutes a day. So obviously, we're not spending a lot of time outside. Our children aren't spending a lot of time outside. That's sad. It's really sad. And so it's a point I always try to make that we need, we need to be outside more. It does translate to adults. Adults also spend the majority of their time indoors and on electronic devices. And there are studies done for both children and adults on a variety of mental, uh, mental health parameters and mental health conditions. And I think one of the strongest, although there are a lot of studies that talk about anxiety and depression, but one of the strongest correlations I've seen in studies on nature is a sense of well-being, how you're doing. And I think one of my favorite studies was done several years ago on a group of fifth grade students living in upstate rural New York. What they did was they looked at how far these students lived from green space 
and they looked at the stress in their family. All of these students, all of these, they were girls. All of these girls had a lot of stress in their families. And then they, they took a look at their anxiety, their sense of well-being and their depression. And they found that the closer these girls lived to green space, the greater sense of well-being they had. And the more stress that was in their life, the more of an impact living near green space was. And there have been several studies that have shown the more you need it and the more stress you have in your life, the more of an impact living near green space or having access to green space has. Wow, that is so amazing. So I'm thinking about like, I love to go for walks. That's kind of my main form of exercise. And I always like to listen to podcasts while I'm walking. Does that count? Or is it really better to like unplug? So it definitely is better to unplug. And I'm not sure if they've actually done those studies that separate out the using a device versus not using a device. But based on what we know, I think being in the natural environment and this wonderment and amazement, I mean, there are some studies, especially the forest bathing studies that look at people who are completely unplugged. They use their senses. They take their time. They don't go very fast and just really take in the nature. Those people really do benefit the most from being outside. So when we recommend nature, when we prescribe nature, we really emphasize the need to be unplugged and to just take in the scenery. I know you think, oh my God, but I'm missing I'm missing this productive time if I'm doing that. T- tell me a little bit more about forest bathing. I love the term. I mean, it has a great visual, right? Right. Well, forest bathing has been around. It's from Japan. It's called Shinrin-yoku. And it's a Japanese form of therapy and of being in green space. And in Japan, they actually have certified forest bathing sites, locations. And the more trees and the more variation, shrubbery trees, the better the forest bathing site is. And basically what you do is you start at the beginning of the for the site or the location. And again, you're unplugged and you really take in the environment. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with others, but you're just really experiencing the environment. And as you think of using all your senses, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? The studies have shown that, and this is mainly done in adults, that adults who begin a forest bathing session and then end have a significantly lower heart rate, blood pressure, there, they actually measured in several studies levels of cortisol, which we all know is a physiologic measure of stress. And that cortisol levels go down significantly from the beginning to the end of the study. And, and the other thing, which I find really interesting, in addition to these other things, is that there's certain cell, the cells of the immune system, the NK natural killer cells, which increase significantly from the beginning to the end of a forest bathing session, which help fight off cancer and other types of infections. And they can remain elevated for a certain period of time. So we have improvements in our immune system just from being out in nature. Wow. Well, I guess that's a big reason why we should be making sure we conserve what we have. Is there a study somewhere? It seems like I remember that people that even are able to look outside do better than if you can't, like something to do with maybe recovery from surgery. Yeah, yeah, that study done. That was probably one of the first studies I remember, and one of the first studies done in in hospitals. They did a study of people who had a view of nature after surgery. Was they did the same surgeries, 
and one would have a view, one person would have a view of nature, and then the other would not, would not have a window. And the people who had surgery and a view of nature were in the hospital significantly fewer days than those who didn't. And there are a lot of studies that show just having a plant in a room, in schools, having just looking out at a window improves cognition, decreases fatigability, decreases the number of days that people attend, that the students attend classes. So something as simple as having a plant in a classroom has been shown to improve cognition and and other factors. These seem like simple things, and I can't think of a lot of side effects. So let's let's talk about this prescribing nature, and what does that look like in real practice? I mean, is that a doable thing? It's totally doable, and it's it's educating healthcare providers on how to prescribe nature, which is what my org- one of the things that I do with my organization is we educate healthcare providers on the benefits of nature, both physical and mental benefits of nature. And then we provide a platform and we show them how to prescribe nature. And we really recommend and, and try to emphasize how important it is to prescribe nature. So, so I'm a busy clinician and I'm like listening to this podcast, I hope, and I'm super intrigued. So what are the steps? What would that look like? And, and how would my practice change if I was able to do something like this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And what one would do is they would first go to our website and we go by many names. <laughs> Naturepescribed.org is what we're trying to change to because we really want to emphasize nature over park. We can also get there through parkrxamerica.org or pra.org. But we want to emphasize that everybody is different in where they want to go and what they want to do. So it may not be a park. It may be next door or it may be a walking path. And and that's why we're changing the name to nature. But what you would do is somebody would just would register on our website. And as soon as you go on the website, you can see this link that says healthcare providers or says prescribe. So you would hit the prescribe button. And once you hit the prescribe button, it's very simple. It's, it's a step. We tried to make it very easy. So it's a step-by-step process. You get a little picture of a prescription pad and the prescription pad has place, activity, frequency, and duration. And it tells you, kind of talks you through what to put in each place. So place, you would, a patient would come in the room. Let's say a child is anxious and you would want to help them with their anxiety. So you talk to them about going outside. Do you get outside? Do you get outside on a regular basis? What's a safe and, and close place where you can go when you're feeling stressed? So that would be the place. Maybe it's like a walking path two minutes from their house. What would you like to do? Maybe they want to walk their dog. Maybe they want to walk with their mom. What's the activity they want to do? How often do they? can they do it? Can they do it three days a week, five days a week? And for how long? Is it 20 minutes, 30 minutes? So we fill out and that's their nature prescription. And then you hit the button that says submit and it walks you through everything else. It asks for permission to send these reminders because of HIPAA laws. We found this is HIPAA safe and compliant. You send the prescription to either the their cell phone or to the computer and you can decide how often you want to send the prescription. Is it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? You also can quickly copy the prescription and put it in the EMR under anxiety for in this case or whatever it is that you're using the nature prescription for. So that's in a nutshell what you do. 
How fun. So what's, what's the experience of providers who do this? What, what, what's the feedback that you get? So it's, we have currently, I think, almost 1,500 providers who've registered. We have a variety of experiences. Some will do, we'll do the prescription once, twice, three times, and it's not regular for them. I think those who do it more often and are committed to really putting it as part of their practice have written a lot of prescriptions and obviously have the better experience. So we have a prescriber who's been doing this for a long time out in Washington state. And I think he's written over 400 prescriptions. We, we have little pockets. We have a study going on, an NIH study in Washington, D.C. So those providers have also written 100 or more prescriptions. And then we have pockets in New Haven and just pockets around the country where I think when one starts writing the prescription and then they can't, they talk to others about it. And once they get used to it, I think they start doing it more. It's really that group that isn't used to it that, yeah. that we need to teach how to put it in as part of their routine. Well, I love the idea of being able to prescribe something like this with, for example, diagnosis of anxiety, because first line treatment for most kids really should be something therapeutic. So it might be cognitive behavioral therapy, but why not do this in conjunction? I mean, it's it's simple. Everybody can do something somewhere for some period of time. It sounds very motivational interviewing style of intervention, that sort of getting someone to commit to a variety of things so that they can can more likely achieve that. So has there been any feedback from kids or parents that have actually done this? So we do have some feedback from some kids who've done it. And usually they're the success stories. We have on our website, we actually have a video of, of a teenage girl who was very anxious and stressed. And they think she had just a lot of, of, of day-to-day struggles going through high school and in her family. She developed headaches and chest pain and was very irritable. And so Dr. Czar, Robert Czar, who's the founder of PRA, wrote a prescription for her and they decided together for her to be in a hammock. Her uncle has a hammock in the backyard one hour a week. That was her prescription. And so you see, she talks about it. It's very moving how over time the chest pain went away, the headaches went away. She was much less irritable and she attributed it all to that being in the hammock one hour every wow. Wow. That seems like something all of us should get off this podcast as soon as we're done and write your own prescription for how you're going to incorporate. Well, is this something you mentioned about trying to help families find places? Are there resources online to help you locate green spaces around? Because obviously people who live in rural areas may be very different than somebody who's in a very urban center. And I guess the other is safe places. Is there a way to do that online? So we have on our website, if you have a park agency, you can register your park or your green, whatever your green space is on, on our website. And so we do have, if you go and prescribe, you can actually type in, you don't see it until you prescribe, but once you start prescribing, you can type in the address of where the person lives or where they're starting point is and find any parks or green spaces that have been registered. I think we have over 10,000. Wow. There. So you can do that. 
And as you said, though, part of, so if somebody wants to do that and they happen to live in an area, like in the DC area, there's a lot, maybe over 1500 sites. So if you happen to be in an area where the parks have been registered, that's helpful. But if you don't, or it's far away from where you live, that's another issue. And often the people who need the green space the most, who may not live near a park, don't have those parks registered. And so we really make an effort. You can either use those parks or you can do this custom prescription. And most people, not everybody, but most people will be able to identify a space if you talk to them where they feel safe, comfortable, and it's close. And all of those are really important. Can you get there? Is it safe? And is it a place that you are close enough to that you'll get by regularly? We, yeah. we also have like some part, we we are working with some like natural resources, like government agencies and community and county parks and recs, where they like for us to let people know, patients know about activities and programs going on. We will do that on a case by case basis. But in general, it's hard to do that when you're talking about the entire United sure. States. Well, especially if you're by locale, that's, I mean, there are lots of places, right? Well, I, I, I love that. Are there materials in on your website where you can like posters or are there a swag and hand out? <laughs> to people? Yes. So there, there's a lot on our website. And one thing, one thing that we did change is we now have a, a nature prescription that anybody can write. You don't have to be a healthcare provider. So if somebody happens to be listening to this podcast and they're not a healthcare provider, but they're like, oh yeah, I need that. Or my child really needs that. We have, they can write their own prescription. They can start using it. And then we usually will recommend that they print it out and bring it to their doctor so they can work in conjunction to make them more accountable and to make sure that it's actually doing what they want it to do. So that's on the site. We have a lot of information about all of these depression, anxiety, obesity, diabetes, and studies that talk about how nature improves it. And then we do have several posters and swag, as you call it, online that people can just download. And if there's something anybody wants and they don't see it there or they want to start a program, we have our email addresses and we love to hear from anybody and everybody and see how we can help out. I, I love that. I was just curious, like, so let's say I'm, I'm, inspired after listening to you. And I say, gosh, I'd like to hold myself more accountable. And I went in, can I write my prescription and then get text messages from you guys? You cannot get text messages if you write your own prescription. But if you then bring it to your doctor, Ah. then your doctor can enter it into the EMR and write the prescription out. And then you'll get reminder text messages. Okay. Okay. So that Makes for a nice partnership. Now you've got one other person holding you accountable. Exactly. I love that. Well, if I could do just one thing differently in in my practice setting, for those of you out there who are pediatricians or healthcare providers or therapists, teachers, I mean, what's what's a start? What's something I could do? In terms of just making this, what's the motivational interviewing to get me to make that change? And what small change? Where could I start? You can probably start by emailing us, Robert or myself, and just talking to us for a few minutes. Each each person in each community is a little bit different. And so we can work with you on trying to see how you can incorporate this into your practice. And it might be you, it might be your whole practice, it might be your county, or your hospital. And I think maybe talking about your individual situation 
it, it's easy. It may take us just a couple of days to get back to you, but we're so happy to talk to everybody or anybody about how they can have it fit into their practice. Well, and I'll make sure to include emails in the show notes. Is this something that teachers can use? We have, when we talk about healthcare providers or people who've registered, we have not just pediatricians, internists, we have wellness coordinators. We work with employee wellness organizations, lots of therapists, occupational therapists, social workers, psychologists, teachers. I've worked with guidance. I think it'd be really important for guidance counselors to take kids when they do therapy or in, or sessions, bring them outside, do the session mm-hmm. outside. And there are now more and more therapists who are actually doing their sessions outside or walking and talking. Well, I'm wondering now that people are doing so much teletherapy, if you couldn't just go sit out in your backyard. I mean, yeah, you're on a device, but, you know, maybe have your session out there. That That's an interesting idea. I love, I love that. Well, I, I think this is really exciting. And I just love the idea that it's something that a patient, a parent, um, and you can kind of partner on this. And it's a safe thing to do. And not only is it safe, but it's just has all these incredible benefits and there's no cost to it. Right. Yeah. And there really are not many downsides. You need to make sure you use sunscreen in the summer and, <laughs> and water, but it just, I mean, it also, you don't even talk about like social, the social aspects of it, about how pe- people just cohesiveness and getting together in communities or with others and and how if people are frustrated or irritated and then take a little break outside and come back, how much better they're doing. So there's just so many positive aspects to getting out into nature. That's interesting. I just recently did a podcast with Heather Forkey, who does lots of work on trauma and resilience, and especially with kids in the welfare system. And a big part of interventions, because we always, in having families or kids that have had significant trauma, it feels really like overwhelming. Like, how on earth am I supposed to fix or make an impact when there's been so many awful, scary, bad things that have happened? But one of the interventions is play and not only play for the kid, but helping a parent or whoever the caregiver is, is learning how to play jointly. So I can imagine just being outside and throwing a ball or collecting leaves or looking at bugs. I remember there's a kid's book. I can't remember the name of it now, but there's a... I think they're badgers and their brother and a sister and the sister's bothering the brother. And so he creates a game called the play right here stick. And he takes a stick and he sticks it in the ground. He says, okay, now lay on the ground and just look and see what you can see. And so there's bugs and different kinds of, it was the cutest thing. And I was like, wow, that, you know, that that's a simple game. So this idea of play. And I think it's such a simple concept that some people don't understand the significance of it. I I think many of us don't because it's so simple and so kind of inherent and within us that it's hard to comprehend how beneficial it really is. I think we look at it as being sort of indulgent, like I don't have time for that because I have all these other things I'm supposed to be doing. And yet maybe I could concentrate, maybe I do a better job of my job if I went outside and took a 10 minute walk and unplugged, right? Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to have to take that into into under advisement. So, well, I love to finish up my conversations is to ask if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were a resident back in the day, what advice would you give yourself? In terms of nature? 
anything, any advice now that you're all grown up and you've been in practice where you've, you've done lots of different things in the pediatric realm, what, would you have any advice for your resident self who's probably stressed out and anxious? I, I think I would make sure that I, I would tell myself to take more time to get outside and take a break every day because I recognize that taking those 10 minutes would save me not only half an hour or more when I get back in terms of being able to concentrate, but also help me with my anxiety and and some of the stress and pressure that I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think closing point for anyone who's listening is when we're all done here, why don't you go for a walk? Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been really fun. And I'll make sure to put links to books and a couple of these articles that you referenced and for sure your website and your email. So for any of you that need more information, please check that out. So, well, thank you so much, Stacy, And I hope that you have a wonderful summer spending lots of it outdoors. Thank you so much, Leah. You too. All right. Take care. Okay. If you aren't outside, listening to this podcast, I'd encourage you to just get out for a minute. And after listening to Dr. Stacy Beller-Stryer, I just feel like I should immerse myself sans electronics and enjoy nature around me. So here are my takeaways. Number one, of course, thank you to Dr. Beller-Stryer and totally agree that being in pediatrics with kids is the best, even when it's sad. Number two, nature matters, and here's the bennies. Improved academics, social skills, decreased anxiety and depression, and increased physical activity. What's not to love? Number three, kids on average get six to eight minutes of outdoor time per day. I mean, that's just sad and unacceptable, and, you know, bottom line, it's changeable. Number four, numerous studies find that the closer you are to nature, the better the outcome and the better your sense of well-being. Even a plant in the room or a window to nature makes an impact. And there have been several studies that looked at outcomes. The one I mentioned on the podcast was a study about patients who were recovering from surgery. And even if they could look out the window, things were better. Number five, forest bathing is a form of Japanese therapy. It reduces heart rate, blood pressure, and cortisol. So hop in your forest and take a bath. Number six. Immersion in nature using all five senses allows you to revel in wonderment and amazement. So unplug. That's my note to self. Number seven. So how do you get your patients outside? Head to natureprescribed.org and click on prescribe. From there, follow the prompts and create a prescription with a place, activity, how often they'll go, how long, and then get text reminder sent to their phones. This is a great use of motivational interviewing. Number eight, healthcare providers, teachers, and therapists can use the site to up your game. Imagine an intervention that costs nothing, is evidence-based, is relatively free of side effects, and is fun to boot. Consider this as a first line of treatment for behavioral health concerns, tantrums, somatic complaints, anxiety, depression, inattention, and just plain old stress. Remember the days when your mom said to you, just go outside and play. Well, we need to be saying that more often. Number nine, start with an email to Stacy or Richard and check out these show notes for those email addresses and check out their site on naturepreprescribed.org. Download materials and start prescribing nature. Number 10, 
Dr. Bellerstreyer's final advice, which I think is lovely. Take a break, take more time, go outside. So take it to heart and give yourself a nature break. Thank you again so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I am coming up on episode number 100, which I cannot believe. And I am so grateful to all of you who are regular listeners or new. If you're new, welcome. And please share. And if you can go and rate and review, I would very much appreciate it. So again, enjoy summertime. We have to relish these moments. And I will look forward to you joining me next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pediatric Meltdown. In the words of Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Let's do better together. This podcast was made possible by the team at Streamlined Podcasts. Music was composed by Connor McHugh and cover art was designed by Alexia Barrero.